Welcome to Grace in 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. This is Ed Mellick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sal Dietrich. Sal, you excited about tonight's program? Ed, wonderful story tonight. Tonight we're, we're privileged, really, to have the 2% Project on with us. You know, Ed, at age 17, just weeks uh, before she was scheduled to leave for college with a full-ride volleyball scholarship, Autumn Williams discovered she was 24 weeks pregnant. At age 20, Cynthia Wood, a high school dropout living from day to day, discovered she was pregnant. These two women came together, and Autumn's experience led her to create a nonprofit called the 2% Project. It helps teen moms build a better future, and Cynthia has joined her in that cause. We're, we're glad to host them tonight. Talk about the challenges they've encountered, the wisdom from their experiences, share some stories with other young mothers listening out there. Autumn and Cynthia, welcome to the Grace in 30 show. Thank you for hi, having me. Hi. Yeah, yes. Welcome, welcome. Let's talk about that moment when you first, both of you first discovered that you were pregnant and, and what your reactions were, and then how you began to work through what you were going to do. Um, maybe we start, Autumn, with you. Yes, I was completely shocked, to say the least. Um, I had a full ride to go play volleyball. I worked really hard for my dream. I was constantly training, constantly working out. Um, I was very determined to get that volleyball scholarship. And when I found out I was pregnant, I was very devastated um, to the point where I was saying, I don't want this baby. And you had been playing volleyball all through high school. How, how many years? I mean, you had a lot vested in this scholarship. Yes, literally from when I can remember my whole life. And Cynthia, tell us a little bit about uh, when you discovered that you were pregnant and what went through your mind. Um, of course, I was young and I thought I was invincible. Um, it wasn't going to happen to me. Um, just in shock. Um, I did have a good support system with me, but the lifestyle I was leading was not that um, fit for what I wanted to be a parent. It was difficult. And, and yet you both decided to keep these, these children and to go forward with us. T take us through a little bit of w how that worked out for you all. I didn't have very much time to plan being a mom, uh, finding out when I was six months. So the, from the time that I found out and I found out I was going to be keeping the child, I was going crazy trying to find a job. I didn't really know what my next step was going to be or supposed to be. Well, you mentioned that at first your reaction was, I, I don't need this. I, I want to go to school. And then you somehow transitioned into a point where you decided you were going to keep keep the baby. What exactly happened in that window? What was the thing that clicked and made you say, "I'm gonna I'm gonna have this child. I'm gonna raise it and make this work." That I was going to be responsible for a whole new human being. It was very intimidating, and I just knew that you know the first step would be to get a job, go back to college, uh, make sure I get a good job. And how were your families in, in during this time? Mine were very, very supportive. Um, I definitely couldn't have been able to do it without them. Oh, I definitely think mine was like a shock, but it was like, okay, this is going to happen, so we're going to ride with it, and they were um, very supportive, thankfully. So tell us about the 2% uh, project. Autumn, this was your idea, correct, that correct. you started? Yes, correct. <laughs> give, give us some of the background on this, the, the meaning of the name, when it started, exactly what's unique about you guys, What who do you focus on serving? Yeah, I've had a lot of questions this week about what is 2%. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> Make people ask. 
after I found out I was pregnant and I did a lot of self-research and I wanted to go to college, I wanted to get a better job, my dad took me to a pregnancy center. And when I talked to my counselor about, you know, my ambitions, she basically told me to go to the social services building. And anybody that has experienced that knows that that's a zoo in itself. I was very, very intimidating, uh, very disheartening. So I ended up doing a lot of self-research, um, getting back into college, um, four years working, graduating. And when I graduated, I came across the statistic that less than 2% of teen moms would graduate college before the age of 30. Wow. And that number to me was huge. Um, so I, you know, came to the idea and I said, you know, how could I help these girls? And what if there was a place like the place that I went to that was solely geared towards the success of teen moms and teen parents um, ran by people that knew what they were going through? That was my big thing. I felt that the people I was talking to, you know, they were a lot older generation. They were kind of looking at me like I was crazy when I was trying to vent about my issues. Um, so I just felt, you know, what if there was a place that these girls could come to where they knew that we knew what they were going through? How has the, the whole teen mom phenomenon on TV affected uh, this process and, and affected the work you're trying to do? I don't really think it makes too much of a difference. I think it does kind of maybe, I don't want to say glamorize it, but it just doesn't really show the real struggles that teen moms deal with. Um, you know, obviously these girls and these participants get paid for their efforts. Um, it doesn't really show the day-to-day, -day, you know, work efforts um, that former teen parents face. Let me ask you, there's two sides, I guess, you know, when I think of this, I think of it in uh, a relationship where the young expecting mom has support from her family and one where she does not. And oftentimes we have featured guests where the young mom does not receive that support. We um, at one point had the folks from Borromeo Housing on here in Arlington, and they take in uh, probably four or five young moms and their children who live, they actually live on site at Borromeo Housing and they, they try to help them get through college. Um, how does how does what you're doing uh, look at both of those parallels? One where maybe the family is supportive but they really don't know quite what to do and then um, one where, where the mom is unfortunately really on her own, almost an outcast from her own home. Um, we definitely deal with a lot of different situations, and our whole goal is that, you know, we are going to be either an additional support system um, or just a support system in general. Um, you know, support goes a long way, um, and without support, you know, it's really hard to follow your dreams and make it um, definitely possible, but it's a lot easier when you have somebody cheering you on. And you focus, you know, you're focused on education, career development, um, t t where do you see some of these uh, paths going for some of the, the moms that you're engaged in? What are, what are some of their uh, goals uh, in terms of finishing up high school or in, in going on to college? The primary goal for all of them is really just providing for their children. Yeah. Um, and they have different ideas and different avenues where they feel like they can achieve that. Um, and what we try to focus on is just kind of get it, getting them to think about what they want to do, think about their dreams, think about their goals, and we kind of help them act upon them. Yeah, I want to I want to ask you about the role your your faith has played in this for both of you because you know it's interesting. I I had a chance to get outside the Beltway for a week on vacation, and we were in this little town up in Nebraska, and was having lunch with a, with a group there. 
Um, and they were saying how these three children were being raised by a grandparent who had recently passed away. And the, the oldest one was off to college. The other two are still in elementary school. And the community there in this little town of Broken Bow, Nebraska, are trying to get essentially um, responsibility to raise these children. And it's just a wonderful example of how a faith community kind of comes together and fills in for what is the biological family when that family is not there. Tell us a little bit about the role your faith played in your lives as you, um, you know, moved forward in a positive way with your pregnancies. I definitely didn't have any strong faith um, when I was in high school. I was really influenced by a lot of the same things that a lot of high schoolers are influenced now. Um, Definitely not positive things. Um, I definitely came to my faith when I did get pregnant and I felt like I had nowhere to turn and I felt like I hit rock bottom. Um, And that's kind of when I don't want to say I was forced to um, have faith, but I did feel it. Um, I felt like I had no other option. And when I came across that faith, it really came through for me. And ever since then, I've been a strong believer. So did you, someone invite you to go to services one day? Did you just feel an urge to pick up a Bible or what what exactly happened? Um, All my life, I've, you know, I've been in the church. Um, I definitely had a Christian background, but I never really felt like I acted upon it. You know, I was kind of just going through the motions. Um, And at that time, it's like, you know, it kind of came across to me that I did have that in the back of my head. I just, you know, never really acted upon it. Um, And when I felt like I had no other choice, um, I prayed and I put all my trust in him and the situation that I was in and he brought me through and that definitely opened my eyes to um, his grace. So at that point things seemed to start falling into place? Oh yes, yes. And and what about you Cynthia? Um, My faith really came about, um, like I said before, I wasn't really, you know, ever questioning my pregnancy but I did have a lot of health issues um, with my first daughter and I was on bed rest and they told me they didn't know what her mental capacity was going to be, if she was going to be able to use, you know, her appendages. It was just a list of on and on, I don't knows. I was going to a specialist once a week, every week. um, And one day my sister's um, mother and father-in-law asked me, you know, can we put you in the prayer book at church? And I was like, yeah, you know, sure. Why not? You know, prayers never hurt, right? That's what they say. And, um, that was that Sunday and that Thursday I went back to the specialist and everything was right back on track work where it should have been. Wow. It, yeah, it was it was a, almost like an out of body experience. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this really happens, like this really works. And that was just a trigger, it changed everything. I was like, okay, there's somebody else looking out for us. So did when these were experiences were happening to both of you, you guys didn't know each other at the time, did you? I knew Autumn when she found out she was pregnant, um, but my she yeah no we did know each other yeah times. we did yeah <laughs> yeah so so you worked together years ago and became friends and the friendships deep deepen now and you guys uh, clearly are working together on this project tell us a little bit more about the services you guys provide for the moms because I think the thing that's special about what you guys do is this focus on post uh, delivery um, you, you mentioned once before I've I've heard you speak autumn about the frustration that there's a lot of services for people up to the point where they have the child. And then when they have the child, they feel like they're really on their own. What specifically do you do uh, that you find most helpful? I know one thing in particular you mentioned in an interview was moral support, that you know people have a child and they can't go out like they would normally do in high school to, uh, to a, a dance or a party or whatever sort of functions. 
you've got kids now, or, or at least one child, and these moms all support one another. You have sort of a network where you can get together and do things and, and have fun and sort of let your hair down. Tell us about those things that make it special. Just because when I was pregnant and I had my son, I felt very isolated because a lot of my friends, you know, went to college. Um, I didn't have any more friends. I was kind of stuck in this, you know, toxic relationship at the time. Um, and my son, and I was dealing with, you know, some postpartum depression. Um, and when I started finding friends or, you know, meeting friends that had children like me that were young, um, it definitely really kind of brought me back to where I needed to be. Um, just kind of hanging out with people that had kids and I could still kind of get that social aspect um, in my life. And that's what we try to emphasize at 2%. So we do workshops and parties and field trips. Um, and our whole goal is that the girls can meet each other and hopefully gain a support system within each other um, because that's the biggest thing. That's great. You know, I, I, I tell you, and I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing next. You both have full-time jobs. You're doing this. But, you know, it reminds me of a guest, Ed, that we had oh, early in the show, Allison Renault, who um, is the mother of 11 children. Oh, yeah, you can take a deep breath. Now, yeah, right? wow. yes, yes, ladies. Go ahead. Yeah, hey, I, we were, Ed and I were high-fiving her in the booth. <laughs> 11 children, and during that time, you know, she, she had never graduated from college, but she's one of these people, one, she's a woman of incredible faith, uh, the kind of faith I hope to have someday. And, and also, she's someone who's never been afraid to ask for something. Not for necessarily for a handout, but when she thought she had something, she was right. She's never been afraid to go to ask. So she went to these these folks in Norman, Oklahoma, and said, look, I want to go to Harvard. And uh, she applied to Harvard. She didn't get accepted. Okay. So she applied the next year, and she did get accepted. Wow. And so she went to these wealthy people in Norman, Oklahoma, and said, I have no way to pay for this. This is a dream of mine. And they bankrolled her. They sent her to Harvard for almost three years, they flew her to Cambridge wow. and back and forth. She raised 11 children while doing this. And, you know, the, her message isn't so much of a story, this storybook life, because uh, she's been flat broke at times. Uh, she got divorced after she had the 11 children. But her story is one of, of sort of, I would say, a crystal clear view of her faith, her family, and, again, just this spirit of of not being afraid, you know, to ask someone for help or to, as, you, as you're saying, not be afraid to ask another single mom or, or a young mother or a young family to sort of form a bond and kind of help people grow together. And that, that's something that sticks out with, with what you all are doing is that, you know, you weren't afraid to take these steps forward and move beyond and you've had this vision for yourselves that you're going to move forward with your children, with your families, and, and even start this nonprofit, and you've never been afraid to, to ask people to join you on this journey, right? I look at your website, and I see a lot of really strong partnerships. And you all had no experience building a non-startup, did, or startup, did you? Uh, no, no you, absolutely you, you not. You didn't understand a nonprofit <laughs> not at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> On-the-job training only. Yeah, right. yeah. So tell us about how are you balancing all this? I mean, you got jobs, you got, you know... Kids, you you know, degrees, all these things, dreams like all of us. Tell us what kind of grounds you on a daily basis. Each other, I mean, your faith. What what's what keeps you moving in the morning? Because your morning, like my morning, probably starts pretty early when you got little kids and running around. Uh, the house. Yes, God is fueling my fire, <laughs> to say the least. Um, sometimes I don't even 
know how I do it, to be honest. But I just try my best. <laughs> so, Autumn, your situation is, is very different than uh, Cynthia's. You're, uh, yes. You're, you're, living, like, you're living with your parents. You're unmarried right now, correct? Yes, correct. And you have how many children? Two. Two boys. And, and Cynthia, you are married, correct? Yes, sir. And that's the father of both of your children? Yes, he is. So, so what is what is a day like in your house? I mean, how old are the kids? You're both working, you and the dad, correct? Yes, we are. Um, what, what's, what's it like for you guys when you get up in the morning and all the way until you go to bed at night? <laughs> well, we both work full-time, so let's get up. Um, our oldest is just started kindergarten today, so it's very exciting. Um, it's literally chaos. Uh, I don't think we get quiet time until we hit the highway in the morning and just enjoy your coffee. Um, but that makes that's it. really funny because your, your peaceful time is sitting in rush hour traffic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it, it is. It's just like the kind of quiet. Um, but I think he is really just my backbone through everything. Um, he is completely opposite. Introvert. Very, very, you know, calm all the time. And if it wasn't for that man, I don't know <laughs> where I would be. So he allows you to have the time because you're, you're working full time, you're commuting, and mm -hmm. then you've got to do the work on this 2% project, which takes quite a bit of time, right? Yes, and he's super supportive. Um, he'll help collect donations and do things as well. It's really um, family effort, all of us. Yes, he's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I wanna we're going to take a quick uh, station identification break, and then I want to come back and talk start talking about your vision for the 2% project. And specifically, I want to talk to you about this teen father program, which I love. I want to hear drilling a lot about that. It's time to step up, young men. Um, look, you're listening to Grace in 30 on WERALP, Arlington, 96.7 FM. We're talking to Autumn Williams and Cynthia Wood from the 2% Project, a nonprofit that provides resources to teen moms and their babies to promote physical and social development. Look, let's talk about this teen father program. Where did this idea come from? Um, you know, wh where is it going? Tell us about what's going on there. Another statistic. <laughs> um, well, there's a statistic that 750,000 teen moms are um, pregnant each year. And what people fail to realize is that there's also 750,000 teen dads that are involved in the teen pregnancy. Yeah, amen. Takes two to tango. It does. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a majority of all programs are solely geared towards teen moms, um, you know, which is understandable. Uh, they are, you know, taking, I guess, part in the raising part of the child and pregnant. Um, but we really feel like we need to include them in our mission and our efforts um, just because they are, again, a part of that child's life and their, you know, self-sufficiency um, definitely affects the child's development as well. So how are you, what are you thinking about for outreach on that? I mean, because you do see a lot of, I would say, from the other side of it, you do see men, you know, trying to mentor young men, trying to mentor boys. But what I like about what you're doing is you're coming at from from a different angle, right? As women who have a deeply vested in these in these young moms, you're trying to to bring, um, you know, teen fathers and really teen, you know, boys and men into this uh, community that you're building. Tell us a little bit about what some of your goals are in the next, let's say, 12 months with this, as you're probably just getting it off the ground. Yes, um, our expected launch for that program will be January 2018. Um, and our approach is going to be a little more group-based um, versus our teen mom program, which is a little more individual time. Um, as well as the group setting, but we feel like they would benefit most from a group setting with other teen dads and young dads um, and former teen dads. 
Um, you know, it's very rare that you see, you know, a teen dad success story. No one ever talks about it. Um, it's something that, you know, people don't talk about. And there's, of course, there's a stigma with dads in general, especially single dads. Um, so we feel like that would be the best approach to um, their success. Have you done any kind of a pilot yet uh, where you've worked with one or two dads and seen how that's worked out or just maybe talking to people kind of as you put the program together oh yes we have we actually have two dad clients right now but so we've definitely been able to kind of help them the same way we're helping the teen moms um you know while we're kind of finalizing the teen dad program so they these these dads have custody of their children is that what it is um no they both they're basically in relationships with the mom so we kind of tried to bring them to the appointments and bring them on board. Is it more of a you pulling them to participate, or are you finding that there are some dads that are stepping up and wanting to, to get involved, to get smarter? Uh, a majority of all our clients, we've kind of been reaching out to them. Um, I definitely think it's kind of like a pride thing. Um, at least for me, when I was a teen mom, I felt really guilty kind of asking for help because people were always kind of assuming that, you know, I would need help. Um, So I was kind of trying to always prove them wrong, that I didn't need any help, when in actuality I did. So we definitely understand um, their mindset. So when we spoke on the phone, you guys both said that you were were sort of emphatic, that you were way better people now with your babies than you would have been without them if you had decided to terminate your pregnancies or, or do whatever. Tell us what you each one of you meant by this, and Cynthia, you can you can go first. Well, I went from literally living for the day in the moment, like not thinking long term at all. I was push, pushing everything off. Oh, I, you know, I can wait. You know, next month I'll start this. Next month I'll do that. You know, um, but when you have this little timeline where it's like, okay, so you need to either bend or you're going to break, and I was not going to break. And what about you, Autumn? Um. Definitely same thing. And it's also kind of a lot of pressure because they're watching your every move, <laughs> literally. <All the time. laughs> so, you know, you definitely want to make sure you're a good example. And I wanted to definitely um, be that example for them. So you, did you feel like you went through this for a purpose, a higher purpose? Oh, yes. And now it just makes so much more sense. And I wish I could go back to myself and tell myself that you know your kids are going to love you you're going to be a good mom you're going to be able to use this to help people um that was you know my main mindset i was like oh my god i hope my kid likes me <laughs> sort of to go back and reassure your earlier self that it's going to work out uh, yeah and just stay focused um you know i think then you could probably agree it was really easy getting wrapped up in you know relationships and small things that really have no meaning at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> right now <laughs> So, so I, I think the message then basically is when you've got this life that you're responsible for, all of a sudden everything else starts to pale in comparison. Oh, yeah, definitely. What would you like people to know about teen moms? I mean, it, it, is there a message you'd like to get out to listeners and for them to, is there something you really want to shake them and <laughs> wake them up about something in particular? Yeah, definitely. Um, stop the shaming. Stop the judgment. You, when you see somebody and you, oh, they're you know they look like they're a teenager and they are carrying this baby and they look stressed out and I bet they live this way and I bet they you know get this handed to them. When you judge the situation, you are not 
doing anything productive to help them help the world around you help your community the day-to-day you're just i mean you're causing yourself more stress because now you're fretting about them in a negative way instead of just carrying on you know offer a smile you know offer anything i mean even if it's even if it is just that smile because sometimes all that you need is that little happy place um to go to because you never know what people are going through on the day-to-day basis you don't know how they live you don't know their circumstances at home or even what brings them in the same place as you yeah it's we hear this theme over and over you know whether it's homeless people like we have a dear friend named milton brown who came on our program 37 years in and out of heroin use four years homeless and when we asked him about his call to action he just said just just look at us Mm -hmm. you know when you pass a homeless person look in their eyes say hello we don't all want money you know just engage people and treat them like human beings and it sounds like you know there's there's a bit of judgment and all going on yeah and i would say this you know this is something we just deeply have lost you know in our country i I go back to this simple community of 1500 in broken bow nebraska who are trying to to do this and yet somehow in the media and in our culture, I would say, not so much in our people, but in our culture, we become like this throwaway culture. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we turn our backs on people. Uh, you know, if you go back to the greatest generation where in, in World War One, World War Two, families lived together and people came together, that, that's kind of, I think, something we desperately need to get back to in, in some simple way. But Autumn, I will say you're really blessed to have your mom and dad oh. giving you big time support. Yes, so I love so them. Gotta give a so shout much. out to them. Love you, mom and dad. Hey, mom. <laughs> so, so Autumn, ask you as well, is it sort of the same thing you'd like to, to say is stop the shaming? Do you have anything else you'd like people to know about these moms and their children? Um, that they're moms and we're all moms regardless of our ages. Um, We all deal with the same things, whether we're 15 or 35 or 45. Um, A new mom is a new mom, and any new mom um, can definitely relate to when they were, you know, confused and scared. Um, You know, age really isn't a factor. Um, You know, yeah, they might need a little more help in other areas, but... You know, I think people need help regardless. You're never really fully ready to be a mom. We're all raising children, you know, to be, you know, adults. And we all want them to be um, acceptable human beings. So it sounds like you, you, these people need compassion, empathy, support, Mm -hmm. all those things. No judgment. Yeah. Just help them out. Yeah. I think it was really hard when I was pregnant. I was always kind of like on edge that people were looking at me a certain way. Um, especially when I came out to like my extended family, I was really embarrassed to, you know, come around them. I knew people were talking about me. Um, so just kind of being positive and just a smile, like Cynthia said, it really makes a difference. Look, you, uh, we want to give you an opportunity because you're, you're growing your organization. You talk about some of the partnerships you have in places, organizations like Prince William Free Clinic, uh, Project Opportunity in Fairfax, Generation Hope in D.C. You're, you're covering the metro area and you're finding a lot of support for two people who, again, had never done this before. So tell <laughs> us about some of your partners and, and uh, give them a shout out. Oh, yes. I know about the Fairfax County Health Department, um, Prince William Free Clinic, uh, Northern Virginia Healthy Families. Um, for the love of others um, in Prince William County. Um, we are very, very supportive for them. And um, it's nice to know that we all kind of have the same goal in the sense that we want to help people and we want to definitely give back to the community um, to make the community stronger. Yeah, and you spoke about the importance of speaking up. And when we were sitting in the room before we came in here, before the broadcast, <laughs> you you, know, we, you were kind of laughing, you two, that, that you're not shy uh, 
autumn about uh, getting in there and becoming a pest. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, had to be a little annoying. Sorry, guys, but, um, you know, I'm passionate about what I do, and I believe in, you know, the 2% and the mission behind it, so... I have no shame in so that. <laughs> sounds like a bit of a, it, almost like a bridge to a call to action for the young women who are pregnant. I mean, to step up and to to speak up and ask for help, correct? Oh, yes, yes. Never be ashamed. Do not be afraid either. You know, there's somebody always in, you have to think about it, there's someone in an even worse position than you might, you know, be in. So don't be scared, you know. No. Yeah, and if you think your situation isn't bad and you don't deserve help, um, it's... It's fine. We, will, we can help you in any way. We so I, I want to make sure I have things right because I, I was going to point people to your Facebook site, uh, which is 2% Project on Facebook. Do you guys have a website as well? Um, yes, and you can get that link on the Facebook page as well and our Instagram. Okay, and also there's facebook.com slash teen pregnancy resource, correct? Listen, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate uh, your, your stories and what you're doing. And, uh, you know, we wish you the absolute best. Um, if listeners want to find out more, we've, we've mentioned already uh, 2% Project on Facebook. And also you can type in facebook.com slash resource, And uh, we'll be posting information on Facebook, Twitter, and our web pages shortly. A replay of the show is going to be available this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. on WERALP. This is Ed and Sal signing off from Grayson 30 on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Everybody have a great night and be sure to tune into Grace.